Hi, this is Jim from Safety Wars. Before we start the program, I want to make sure everyone understands that we often talk about OSHA and EPA citations, along with some other regulatory actions from other agencies, legal cases, and criminal activity. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Proposed fines are exactly that, and they are often litigated, reduced, or vacated. We use available public records, news accounts, and press releases. We cannot warranty or guarantee the details of any of the stories we share, since we are not directly involved with these stories, at least not most of the time. Enjoy the show. This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. And from the border of liberty and prosperity in the highway to the north, this is Safety Wars for December 12th, 2023. How's everybody doing out there? Hope you enjoyed the program last night. That was my intention to make it exciting. The Safety War is not only about OSHA, EA, environmentalists. It's a threat to everything. We're going to cover some other stories here tonight. Well, the main point of last night was this. We uh, there many different threats. Threats to free speech. Tonight we're going to cover a story on private property, eminent domain. Uh, all this stuff goes into everything that we deal with. We don't have the right to free speech. How are we supposed to evaluate what the hazards are us and our families? If the one solution to a problem is censoring. That information is censored. More information does not make us more stupid. More information gives us more information. Now you have to judge whether that information is good or not. If you don't like what you're hearing here, or you can say, hey, Jim, I'm not sure about that, go check it out on your own. I'm not going to be offended. Believe me. If I'm proven wrong, I'll admit it. But... There is a lot of stuff going on out there where uh, there's a lot of stuff going on out there where uh, I mentioned a uh, conspiracy theorist in England had all different types of reports on a uh, person who was into doing shameful things with human bodies. Everybody laughed at him. Wouldn't it have been a little bit better had we known about this? Way before we, uh, way before it was officially released, had we just listened. There was someone else uh, with well, the other wars in the name. He was allowed back on Twitter. Usually, uh, on the stuff he says, usually pretty insightful, usually right. However, he went off the deep end with a whole bunch of stuff and said a whole bunch of stuff he probably shouldn't have said. He was thrown off Twitter by the old owners. Elon Musk lets him back in. But a lot of the stuff out there that he was saying and does say, right on point. And if not factual, but at least to raise the questions out there. I know that's controversial. But here's the other thing. We had the other point where we had anti-Semites in the neighborhood. We had all different types of people out there talking crap. 
We didn't know that they existed, allegedly. I knew that they existed. I was in the environmental program in two uh, universities. One now university, and then it was a state college. Believe me, anti-Semitism is out there. Anti-humanism is out there. Transhumanism is out there. Population control. That's all out there. But because, hey, we're censored, the algorithm doesn't exactly work right, according to our former vice president. Once you know outlaw algorithms and control all the information, according to what he said last night, or last week at the COP28 uh, conference. Again, this stuff's out there. Uh, no, people, no, you, uh, we talk a little bit about eugenics here and population control. All that stuff is out there, but no one wants to talk about it. How would you find out about it if we didn't have people talking about it? We can't go around censoring everybody. So tonight we're going to get on with our news and views, however long that takes, and then we're going to insert a video we did today, but it's a little bit of the same information we had last night on the OSHA hard hat recommendations. I'm going to insert it at the end here. So OSHA news. U.S. Department of Labor cites Massachusetts concrete contractor for crushing fault and energy hazard violations after employee fatality. I might have mentioned this last night. There was $201,000 in penalties. It's a concrete company up in Braintree, Massachusetts. And uh, no, no, no. it was basically a soil screener uh, activity. So if you've ever seen Gold Rush, same, it's very similar equipment there. Now, different configuration, a little bit different stuff, doing different things, but basically the same thing with different conveyors on there. And uh, so before you put anything into a soil, into a conveyor, it has to be screened. So all the bigger rocks and things of that nature get screened out, and it's literally like a, like a sieve, a big sieve, and it could have you know, some, you know, several sieves where big rocks go on top and get ejected out, a uh, little uh, finer material, fines, right, what they call. Uh, not Larry fines, right, that's the Three Stooges. Fines go through there and uh, go, uh, I think that was the Three Stooges anyway, and it goes on to the conveyor and it goes out and gets processed. So the screener, I, I'm, I mean, I've been on top of innumerable screeners uh, in the early part of my career. Uh, we've worked with these a lot. Uh, for processing hazardous materials into a soil stabilization or thermal desorption type unit. And uh, all right, so basically, uh, underneath the screener, uh, there's all different mechanical stuff. And uh, an employer, an employee, directed a, um, uh, a uh, employee into the soil screening area without the sieve on, and the sieve acts as a guard also, uh, so the employee doesn't fall in. The employee was crushed between the conveyor and its frame because the company failed to ensure the conveyor's power source was disabled to prevent its unintended startup as the employee performed maintenance. What kind of maintenance work is done on here? Anything from oiling to resetting any conveyors to undoing a jam, that's often what the problem is. I'm not saying here. That's often what the problem is. Ocean investigators found that the company did not do the following. 
uh, have a, a lockout tagout system, right, where they could cut the energy, provide lock stacks or other hardware to isolate secure lock machines and equipment from their energy sources to prevent sudden starts or moves, adequately maintain the soil screener, which had numerous defects and missing parts. Doesn't surprise me. A lot of wear and tear. Forbid uh, employees from riding in a front-end loader's bucket, exposing them to crush and fall hazards. You want to talk about the ar arguments we've had on projects and I've been on? Where, oh, yeah, I'll ride the front-end of the loader. Yeah, smart, smart. Record each work-related work fatality or, or injury or illness. Argen, uh, the agency assessed $200,905. Next week, they should be upping the fines, right? They're due for it. That's the second or third week of December. U.S. Department of Labor cites Cartsville chemical manufacturer after a 52-year-old employee suffers a fatal burn. So this was where a guy, investigators with OSHA, determined the company... I don't usually avoid mentioning names of the company. On the job for just two months, again, new employer, employee, opened an air intake valve to inspect the noise coming from a barium sulfide wash cone, the steam line that was left open the day before. A rush of cold air in the steam line created a bubble that pushed up heated sludge onto the worker, causing fatal burns. A second worker suffered second-degree burns across the upper body. Before OSHA concluded the investigation, the agency learned uh, 25 days after the fatal incident, another employee inspecting a leaking gasket under a tank full of sodium hydroxide, that is a lie, uh, solution suffered chemical burns when the tank overflowed. Second incident remains under investigation. Our investigation found that the company fa company's failure to make employees safety a priority allowed uh, conditions that cost the worker his life, said OSHA Area Director Jeffrey Stalwawi in Atlanta. And maybe Stalawi, uh, Stalawi, depending on the Polish pronunciation. Two serious incidents uh, just weeks apart show that the culture at the chemical at the chemical company must change to for emphasize workers' safety and health. OSHA will continue to monitor and hold the company accountable until there are changes. So they failed to establish lockout tagout, failed to inspect those procedures. They had to be uh, updated and reviewed at least or annually or as appropriate. Allowed slip and trip hazards to exist by failing to keep mid-tier catwalks free of corrosion. My question is, because of the new OSHA recommendations on helmets, are we all going to have to wear helmets? Right. Expose employees to entrapment hazards by not clearly making the routes to emergency, mar marking the routes to emergency exits. Fail to provide readily accessible safety data sheets for hazardous chemicals in the facility. So let's do a little test here. Two chemicals. Let's go to Google. How long does it take to find an SDS on these chemicals? First of all, when you get the SDS, from where you, whoever you buy the chemicals from, or if you make them on site, you have to make your own SDSs and other stuff too. So the first one is doo -doo -doo. barium sulfide. So let's go to Google. How long does it take us to look up an SDS from barium sulfide? 
Okay, well, got a timer on that? Oh, there it is. Here we have the safety data sheet for barium sulfide, right, from a company. Wow. Now, if I hit print, it's just however long it takes to print out. Zero excuse for this crap. I'm sorry. None. And you have the whole thing here. All right. Uh, maybe corrosive to metals. Toxic if swallowed, causes severe skin burns and eye damage, harmful if inhaled, very toxic to aquatic life. So we have a Jolly Roger there, a corrosion uh, 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 pictogram, and a dangerous envir environment pictogram. I'm not going to mention the manufacturer here. We're going to go down. What is the pH of this material? Bear with me. There is a PEL of 0 0.5 milligrams per meter cubed. Here there is an ACGIH of uh, TLV of 0 0.5 meter, milligrams per meter cubed. Uh, pH, no data available, but it is corrosive. We do know that. It's a crystalline pow powder, and the melting point is 1,200 degrees Celsius. So that would indicate to me that it was very hot, 1,200 degrees Celsius. Anyway, again, easier found. How about sodium hydroxide, SDS? Okay, I typed it in. Oh, there it is. All right. Same thing, right? Uh, very, very dangerous here. And so what are some of the synonyms for sodium hydroxide? Sodium hydroxide is also known as lye or soda or caustic soda. So how a lot of companies that I've worked with try to make things sound out as bad, they call it caustic soda. All right, that's nice. They don't call it lye. I think most people know lye is pretty uh, uh, serious. Now, I was in a... Uh, now, they didn't call me in on this, but I was at a facility where they had an accident with lye. And basically, a guy got it on his skin. This goes back to the don't use the color test uh, thing with colors. Use proper name for PPE. And someone got a yellow suit. Right? Got a chem suit. Got a chem suit. And he went out and put on a white Tyvek suit to handle sodium hydroxide. Got it on his leg. Thought it was water. Until about 8 o'clock at night when his legs started to defat. And he ended up with fourth degree chemical burns. Needing plastic surgery all over his uh, knees. Great thing, huh? Here we have federal safety investigators. This is in Palatine, Illinois. Federal safety inspectors find a Palatine roofing contractor continue to expose employees to deadly fall hazards. Cite the six violations since 2019. Twice within a month in the summer of 2023, federal workplace safety inspectors 
found a Palatine contractor did not provide roofing employees with required fall protection equipment, exposing them to the risk of falls from elevation. Right, The construction industry's leading cause of workplace deaths this is from Department of Labor news releases. Uh, what else? They're assessed uh, $275,000. Let's go through this and see what we got here. I'm scrolling on down through the thing. And citation one, item one, type of violation, repeat, serious. Each employee engaged in residential construction activities six feet or more or above lower levels were not protected by guardrail systems. This is a repeat violation. And they list all of the things here uh, going back to the 2021, 2020, 2019, so four years back. $120,313 for a repeat. Here we have a all right, uh, no, the employer did not verify compliance with paragraph A of 1926-503 by preparing a written training certification record, including the name or other identity of the employee trained in the dates of training and the signature of the person who conducted the training. So no certification. This was a repeat. Uh, they had repeat violations going uh, back to 2022 on this. Citation, $859 for that. So for a total on that one, $121,172. They do have another one here. Scrolling down the document. Citation one, item one. No, uh, this is a repeat violation. Citation one, item one. Uh, at another uh, one of their job sites. No safety glasses or other eye or face protection. $17,189. Citation one, item two. Repeat. No training. Again, uh, $17,189. Citation two, item one. No fall protection. Willful serious. $120,319. So you can understand, you know, the training is a lot cheaper, guys. 845-269-5772 or jim at safetywords.com with that. Uh, here we have a another story here. We'll go over this one. Investigation finds Ohio food processors' failure to guard machines moving parts led to a temporary worker to suffer an amputation injury. This is at a group in Cincinnati, $242,000 in proposed penalties. And uh, they were on the severe violator enforcement uh, program in 2017. 
In uh, April, uh, OSHA assessed the company at $1.9 million to propose penalties after another temporary worker suffered injuries in 2022. Uh, OSHA cited a plan for similar violations less than two weeks before the after October 2022 injury. Company is contesting both. Right? So let's see here. So here we have a repeat serious violation, no lockout tag out. $85,000. Another one, item one, citation one, item two, repeat serious, no guarding, $156,000. For $242,000. I don't know. I think I probably would have uh, advised my client to, like, change their ways here after they get hit with a $1.9 million fine, uh, proposed fine. Uh, I'm not going to mention the name of the food here, but anyway. And what else we have here that's interesting? Fifty-two uh, foot long dead fin whale washes up in San Diego Beach. Cause of death unclear. This is uh, from yesterday. Fifty-two foot long dead fin whale washed up on San Diego Beach over the weekend. And officials say there was no obvious sign of death. Uh, I, I don't know. Is this uh, being Jerseyfied here in the New York area, uh, Southern California? The young uh, female whale was found Sunday on Mission Beach and was later towed out to sea. Fin whales are the second largest whales in the world after blue whales. They can grow 70, 80 feet long and weigh 50 tons. They are endangered and thought to number around 8,000 off the West Coast. It's probably the first couple of years of its life. It didn't appear to have been dead long because there wasn't much evidence of scavenging. Uh, they're trying, they was no obvious, uh, 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 obvious cause of death here. They're doing a necropsy here up to a certain point. Here we have a nun. You talk about now, and I'm going to coin a phrase here. We heard of predatory lenders, right? How about predatory employers? Here's one. Bay Area CEO accused a lawsuit of enslaving an assistant and taking into a dark abyss of sexual horror. This is from Bay Area News Group, a story by Ethan Barron. Barron. Barron, I guess. A CEO fired this, fired this fall from a major Bay Area technology company is accused in a new lawsuit of enslaving his assistant and sending her info, sending her into a dark abyss of unwanted sexual horror. In October, San Francisco headquartered business announced that it ter had terminated uh, the CEO five weeks earlier for gross misconduct on multiple grounds. On Thursday, a woman identified as Shane Doe sued the company, claiming the CEO uh, coerced her into signing a slave contract. Years of rape, sexual abuse, torture, and assault followed the, alleged, alleged, the uh, lawsuit alleges. I'm not going to go into details here, but I'll just say predatory employer. 
Pharmacies share medical data with police without a warrant, an inquiry finds. The nation, and this is from MSN.com, the nation's largest pharmacy chains have handed over Americans' prescription records to police and government investigators without a warrant, a congressional investigation found, raising concerns about threats to medical privacy. Though some of the chains require their employers to review law enforcement requests, three of the largest, I'm not going to mention who the companies are, but you've heard of all of them, say so they allow pharmacy staff members to hand over customers' medical records in the store. Now, there are, I'm going to say this, there are drug testing companies that do the same thing. Where they say, well, we take off the names of the people. Okay, but you're still selling the data. Policy was revealed in a letter sent uh, late Monday to Javier, Javier Becerra, the Secretary of Department of Human Health and Human Services, by Senator Ron Widden and Reps Pramila Jayapal and Sarah Jacobs. The members began investigating the practice after the Supreme Court's decision last year, Dodds versus uh, uh, Jackson Women's Health Organization, ended the constitutional uh, right to abortion. So, uh, again, bizarre. Uh, again, you, you think this crap doesn't happen, but it happens. Here we have an engineering news record, New England. Massachusetts utility worker killed after truck crashes into work zone. A New Hampshire man is facing multiple charges after his truck fatally struck the worker and a police officer. A national grid worker and a police officer were killed and two others injured, and this is from December 8th, after a pickup truck slammed into their work site on a major Massachusetts thoroughfare, highlighting the dangers utility and construction crews face. Horrible, horrible situations. So that's what I got for you tonight. Uh, with that, uh, oh, let me cover this one here. Seizing private, this is from Epoch Times. Seizing private land is next step in fight against climate change. Eminent domain is becoming the weapon of choice against opposition to large wind and solar projects being planned and constructed around the United States. The dream of net zero carbon emissions and its vision of blackening hundreds of millions of acres of American land with wind turbines and solar panels is running up against the reality that most of the land in America is still privately owned and many Americans don't want these massive industrial uh, installations near their homes. So uh, basically what's happening, people are declaring declaring eminent domain, uh, meaning the, uh, the government seizes the land for these projects. Uh, another civil right. You have a right to uh, private property in this country. So here we have an issue with this. Again, uh, a lot of these stories coming up here. So that's all I have for tonight. I'll uh, see everybody tomorrow night. Take care. Hi, this is Jim from Safety Wars. Before we start the program, I want to make sure everyone understands that we often talk about OSHA and EPA citations, along with some other regulatory actions from other agencies, legal cases, and criminal activity. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Proposed fines are exactly that, and they are often litigated, reduced, or vacated. We use available public records, news accounts, and press releases. We cannot warranty or guarantee the details of any of the stories we share, since we are not directly involved with these stories, at least not most of the time. Enjoy the show. This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. 
And from the border of liberty and prosperity, we're coming on a little bit early today. I had a lot of questions and comments and everything else on uh, this whole thing with uh, hard hats last night. So I thought it was worth having a separate episode on this and uh, share it with my customers, clients, and you too can share it with your customers and clients. Uh, so uh, what prompted most of this? Oh, no, we have this, especially the construction uh, industry, we have a lot of controversy associated with hard hats. And one of the, uh, it's a valid OSHA citation most of the time when they issue a hard hat uh, violation, uh, overwhelming amount of times. And OSHA's been really doing stuff with uh, issuing stuff with PPE and things of that nature over the last couple of years. It's one of their top rated things, but it's usually face shields and safety glasses, which we'll talk about uh, uh, further uh, in another episode. Now, hard hat. This one actually might be a game changer on this. I think we're going to have to watch this to see if there is a change in the OSHA technical manual and other policies once, uh, you know, this thing all comes about here and, you know, uh, OSHA slowly imp- implements among their own people. There are certain recommendations uh, that they issue here for heart- head protection. And I'm just wondering if uh, this is ever going to make it into enforcement or is this going to just an internal policy. So yesterday, let's stop that. We had uh, the, our regular uh, episode. We have our OSHA news releases, December 2023. And we review these. These are all open source and everything else. Uh, let me share this because we're going to be sharing a lot of this stuff. Here. And, okay, so uh, right here, and let me zoom in a little bit. Okay, let's see, make sure everybody's seeing that. Yes. So OSHA announces a switch from traditional hard hats to safety helmets to protect safety agency employees from head injuries uh, better. And here's the release here. OSHA announces, this is uh, yesterday, December 11th, OSHA announced the switch from traditional hard hats to safety helmets to protect agency employees from head injuries better. I might have chosen a little bit, right? Better title here. It's a little bit wordy. But anyway, uh, the U.S. Department of Labor's Occupational Safety and Health Administration announced that the agency is replacing traditional hard hats used by its employees with more modern safety helmets to protect them better when they are on the jobs. Now, there's some key data in here that if you're a safety professional or anyone uh, responsible for safety, you have to take a look at here. In 2020, the Bureau of Labor Statistics reports head injuries accounted for nearly 6% of non-fatal occupational injuries involving days away from work. Almost half of those injuries occurred when workers came into contact with an object or equipment. All that 20% were caused by slips, trips, and falls. Now, we were recently cleaning out my mom's house, and we came across this. This is probably, and I don't have a date on here, pardon me, I hit the mic. Uh, probably from the 19, this is after 1945, roughly. Uh, probably right after World War II. 
Uh, this is from the previous owner of the house, uh, uh, Irving Hutt and uh, Mildred Hutt. Right, their uh, their children. A little bit of a uh, trivia here were uh, were exhibits on Coney Island for the first incubator. So uh, when they you can look it up on the history book in the history books. But anyway, metal haired hat is what we're looking at. We still had some of the internal structure which cushions the head, right? And then we go on to our modern hard hat. So I know, hey, Jim, that's all full of stickers. They're setting a bad example. Okay, great. But uh, here we have, you know, uh, often way that jobs work is that you have to have stickers on the hard hat to verify you're supposed to be there for security as well as training purposes, right? And now they come in all different types of styles. Uh, my company, my firm, uh, prefers the red ones on that. So what OSHA is suggesting is that everybody go and uh, and their thing, and this is a little bit of an older model. There are better models out there now. I shouldn't say better. I should say more advanced uh, here. Hopefully we'll be covering some of that in the future. And this is what they're requiring is this with a chin strap. All right. Now, the difference is this in price. For this you, a traditional hard hat, you get on that uh, on that uh, uh, website that's named after the river in South America. Uh, you could go out there and get a hard hat anywhere from ten dollars up to uh, one hundred and fifty bucks. The helmets are running in at the upper nineties uh, of her lower hundreds. Usually, you may be able to get a better price on them with this. So what they're requiring is a helmet style with this. And I've been wearing this one for about four years now, whenever I'm working at height as, or in the maritime environment, uh, because chin strap. Now, something to point out here, right? And we're going to go into letters of interpretation in a minute here. And they're actually really uh, critical here with this. Uh, so what does OSHA say, at least officially in the uh, regulations? We have... Uh, 1910, 1926-100, which is the uh, uh, construction industry standard here. Employees working in areas where there is possibility of danger to head injury from impact or from falling or flying objects or from electrical shocks and burns shall be protected by protective helmets. And it goes on and on and on and on with this. And... Uh, uh, this is an important one, too, because some of these helmets do not have an ANSI standard. They have a European standard that's in uh, excess of the ANSI standard. But OSHA will deem any head protection device that the employer demonstrates is at least as effective as a head protection device. Constructed in accordance with one of the consensus standards identified in B1 of this section to be in compliance with the requirements of this section. So B1 uh, is... Right. Uh, let's see. American National Standards Institute, 2009 standard, 2003 standard, 1997 standard, but there's since been a 2014 standard issued. So they're looking for ANSI. However, my understanding is that there's uh, a currently a letter of interpretation under review with the uh, uh, with the uh, uh, agency to talk about European standards. Uh, but, uh, you know, this would 
statement 1926 100 v3 would be seemed to take over for that and say hey you know we're using stuff well in excess in the ANSI standard which my understanding the european standard is much better now here we have here uh is a 1926 501 standard uh specifically on uh uh and the fall protection standard, 1926-501C, falling from uh, protection from falling objects. When an employee is exposed to falling objects, the employer shall have each employee wear a hard hat. And, again, hard hats, like all PPE, are not, uh, are not an end-all and be-all. You have to have other things in there. So you have to go through that hierarchy of controls that we always talk about. The, right, eliminate the hazard. Uh, and substitute, uh, you know, a less hazardous thing for a, right, a more hazardous thing for a less hazardous thing. I was mixed that up, how to say that, but you want to make things more safe. Uh, you want to have some type of engineering control, administrative control, PPE as being the last. So just because you're wearing a hard hat does not mean that it's okay to do all different crazy stuff to put your head in the line of fire or to have he overhead hazards. That's not what that says. And it has all the stuff, erect tow board screens, some guardrails, erect the canopy structure, uh, barricade the area as, uh, to which uh, objects could fall. So it's some type of barricade. You can go and read the whole thing yourself. I'm not going to read it word for word. Now, we have other regulations here that uh, are with us. Here we have the 1910-135 regulation under general industry. The employer, and this basically says the same thing as 1926-62, I think almost word for word with that. So, again, you have to have some type of an assessment done. Here we have in the maritime environment, in shipyards, you have to wear a protective helmet when working in areas where there is a potential for injury to the head or fall from falling objects on here. And... Same, basically the same thing. Got to wear a hard hat. And here we have in the longshoring uh, uh, regulation here, same deal. Hard hat. What is, and it keeps referencing ANSI Z89.1. And I'm not going to go into this uh, in its entirety, but uh, essentially you go to the ANSI.org website. You buy yourself a, a thing, a, a, a standard uh, off of them, but basically you have two types of hard hats here rated for type one from the top, type two from the side. Those are the two major types, and then you have different types within uh, within that also uh, there. Now, what has what your company or your employer has to do is figure out. Now, do an assessment and figure out what exactly they're going to uh, need. So here we have, uh, let me just read that. I have class type one from the top, type two from the side, right? Or off center, they call it. Then you have electrical classes. So uh, uh, you have class C for hard hats, uh, electrical that are rated for uh, protection of up to 20,000 volts. Uh, class G general with uh, offer protection up to 2,200 volts. And class C conductive 
and they give zero uh, uh, zero protection, right, for electrical conductors, uh, and they include vented options and things of that nature. And so they have vents, probably going to be a Class C. But you need to figure out, and more importantly, get your procurement people online, uh, no, on the same page on what's going to uh, be appropriate and not appropriate for what they're doing. Now, uh, this was what they referenced yesterday. Let me pull it up. And this was uh, uh, from the 22nd of November. Uh, let me share this. All right. So here we have, and let me make sure this is looking right here. All right. So uh, head protection, safety helmets in the workplace. Safety and health information bulletin. Workplace safety equipment, including head protection, has evolved over the years. As industries strive to enhance workers' safety and reduce the risk of head injuries, more advanced to protect and modern head protection, safety helmets are replaced in traditional hard hats. The safety and health information bulletin in the uh, safety SHIB, right? Safety and health information bulletin presents the key differences between safety helmets and traditional hard hats. Describing the advancements in design, materials, and protective features that help to protect the worker's entire head. The SHIB also provides instructions for properly inspecting and storing head protection, whether it be a safety helmet or a traditional hard hat, with a thorough understanding of the benefits and capabilities of head protection options, employers and workers to make informed decisions on which to use. Going through here, the significance of head protection in hazardous work environments cannot be overstated. And over here, they have a picture of the OSHA standard hard hat here. They don't give a name brand or anything. I wouldn't expect them to. For decades, traditional hard hats have been the go-to choice for protecting workers' head. Made of rigid materials like high-density polyethylene, traditional hard hats provide a basic level of protection. However, as technology and scientific understanding of head injuries have and advanced, safety helmets now provide further improvements to enhance workers' safety and to reduce the risk of severe head trauma. One of the differences between traditional hard hats and safety helmets lies in their construction materials. While hard hats are made of hard plastic, safety helmets incorporate a combination of materials, including lightweight composites, fiberglass, and advanced thermoplastics. And uh, right, lighter hard hat, easier stress on the head and the neck, and things of that nature. So determining when to use, uh, so here we go, more statistics. Uh, employers should evaluate workplace hazards to determine the most appropriate head protection for each situation. If head protection is needed for the job, employers should consider investing in better head protection with safety helmets to protect their workers. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, in 2020, head injuries accounted for 5.8 of non-fatal occupational injuries involving days away from work. Determining when to use a safety helmet on the job. Employers must conduct a hazard assessment at their job sites and based on the workplace hazards, determine whether head protection is necessary. When head protection is needed, employers should consider using safety helmets instead of traditional hard hats. Right? Uh, right? Safety helmets instead of traditional hard hats so that employees are best protected against occupational head injuries. Recommended uses for hard hats. Right? I'm not going to read all of this. 
construction sites, oil and gas injuries, uh, in the industries, working from heights, electrical work, class G and E helmets, high temperature work environments, specialized work environments, specific regulatory requirements, low risk environments. I'm hard pressed to say where this recommendation is not covered, right, on that. Basically everywhere. And then it goes into storing the, uh, 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 the uh, hard hat and assessing it, things of that nature. That should all be in your 10-hour or 30-hour course. But, uh, you know, again, we uh, do that. What's the main thing with a traditional hard hat that protects you? It's not only the shell, but the suspension system uh, with that. Now, my question is this. What's your organization going to do? These, I'm going to share with you two letters of interpretations that I've had to whip out on a couple of jobs I've had. Some of them, we're not talking 30 years ago. We're talking in the last two years, uh, specifically working with uh, roofers uh, that did not want to wear hard hats. And I hear every excuse in the world with that. Now, this is a letter that, no, so the roofing company uh, whipped out this letter uh, saying uh, this. And believe it or not, I, I have to say, unless I actually saw this, I have a hard time, you know, I have a hard time believing that this actually happened here uh, with this, the way that it says. My employees are working on a one-story roof. This is from 2004. With no construction being done over it. Also, there is no equipment on the roof that poses risk of head injury. My roofers remove their hard hats once they're on the roof and place them on back, uh, uh, place them back on before coming down. This is violation 1926-100. Let me point out, I get this story from every roofer. And every time I've seen this story, now the writer of this letter, that's maybe exactly what happens. I have no idea. But in my experience, this never happens doesn't happen at all all right they'll work walk through all different types of overhead hazards and then say well we're roofers we don't have to wear hard hats because osha says we don't have to wear hard hats and then you break this down and says who told you that did you read it for yourself this is not confrontational no did you actually read this for yourself no well because if that's what you're being told there's a chance that the person that you heard it from either didn't read it or is lying to you or is being, uh, you know, producing stuff that's not necessarily true with this. So it states a regulation we we just went on, and it says, as OSHA previously stated in an August 23rd, 1983 letter to Congressman Sisiski, where employees are not exposed to possible head injuries, head protection is not required by OSHA standards. In your scenario, where no work is being formed, performed overhead, there is no employee exposure to possible head injuries. There is no OSHA requirement that hard has to be worn on the roof. Okay, keep that in mind. Right, uh, right, and that's what's well. There are right. Here we have another one, and this is from uh, 2014, and they reference the first letter. Uh, According to OSHA's, and this is apparently a 
general industry type thing is what they mentioned here, right? Requires OSHA requires a hazard assessment to determine what's there and what do you do after the hazard assessment? You have to apply what hierarchy of controls, which we just talked about. OSHA generally requires hard hats for employees working there is where there is a possible danger of head injury from impact, falling, or flying objects, or electrical shock and burns. OSHA's general industry standard and head protection states, respectively, do not require workers wear hard hats where there is no risk of uh, head injury. And it goes on and on and on. All right. And this specific letter was about uh, heat uh, stress. And OSHA, even back in 2014, recognized that there was no heat stress standard. And they included all different types of uh, things going on there. Right. Uh, recommendations and saying, you know, general duty clause, that sort of thing. This is what they, well, I'm drawing an inference, but it's what they're implying here on this. Now, in the light of the recent press release, this is why these trade releases and press releases are important here. I'm going to highlight this. Uh, let me make sure we can see this online easy. Okay, let me Zoom in here. Okay, that's better. Almost half of the injuries, right? In 2020, the Bureau of Labor Statistics reports head injuries accounted for nearly 6% of non-fatal occupational injuries involving days away from work. Almost half of those injuries occurred when workers came into contact with an object or equipment, while 20% were caused by slips, trips, and falls. So uh, I knew about this back in 2020 when this became an issue three years ago because I've read these things. Uh, this even back then, yes, I have a very exciting life here uh, with us. I know I always get that comment. But what this comes down to is this. This says where there is no employee exposure to possible head injury in one letter interpretation. That was from 2004. In 2014... Uh, here, right, it references the 2004 letter uh, on that, right, with uh, blah, blah, blah. OSHA generally, generally requires hard hats for employees and everything else. So uh, when, there, when there's a hazard to the head. So according to OSHA's own paperwork here, you can eliminate all the overhead hazards. But if there's still a sip, trip, and fall hazard on the job site, you still have to wear a hard hat. Now, I'm going to ask you this. What job site have you been on, especially if you're on a roof or in an open field or something like that, where there's, especially like yesterday and the day before in the northeastern United States where we had gale force winds, you had Christmas ornaments all over the front yard here, you know. Uh, what job site are you going to be in where you're not going to have a flying object or a slip, trip, and fall hazard? They're not going to exist, right? And this was the argument I used with the, and I say argument, I mean, you know, we're professional. We don't scream and yell. This is what I mentioned to the roofer. Look, you're going to have to have some type of, uh, you have to wear hard hats because of this, 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 and this, what I just laid out to you. Now, my question is this. Now that they made this recommendation, right, and it goes through here, we'll zoom through this again here. Boom, boom, boom. And here you go. Uh, 
The agency recommends safety helmets be used by people working at the construction industry, the oil and gas industry, all this other stuff. What if uh, you go, how's this going to work out in the technical manual here? They start citing people for head protection. Do we all now, did it, was this like a back doorway of maybe getting a regulation through without regulatory review? I question. That would, bypassing the regulatory process? I don't think that they're devious like that. There are people who are devious like that, but I just have to wonder out loud. So what's the message for the people I work with? After I'm done with this video, we're going to be sending out a copy of this uh, to all my customers saying, look, this is the policy and you may want to uh, consider it in writing all your plans, but my recommendations are going to be what OSHA's are, that everybody wear uh, hard hats, uh, wear the helmets rather than the hard hats. That's what it is. So for Safety Wars, uh, I hope this was useful. Hopefully this will start a conversation in your organization here with this. Now, one thing that's Right, let's talk about this also. I didn't mention it. What if you're involved in a lawsuit with a head injury? You think they're going to break out this uh, recommendation? I think so, right? And uh, just something to think about. So uh, I hope this is useful. I will uh, be seeing you a little bit later on uh, on tonight's program. We're probably not going to be on Safety FM. Uh, I have a meeting, but we will release the program on the podcast and also on YouTube and all the other video streams. For Safety Words, this is Jim Polzel. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.